Fantasy Focus Football. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch Geico. See all the ways that you could save. My name is Daniel Dobb. Joined by Field G. Yo, yo. Field, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? We have officially entered the weirdest stage of the year weather-wise in the great state of Connecticut. <laughs> yes, we have. It is hot cold every day. When you wake up, I guess it's cold hot. When yeah. you wake up, and if you're out there and you live in New England or a different part of the country, and as somebody who's lived in New England for 34 of my 36 years, Maybe I should uh, not assume that this is just a New England thing, but it's different seasons now every day, right? Mm-hmm. Like you wake up and it's like borderline winter. It's chilly. By the time that I pick up my older daughter from school, it's like back to shorts and t-shirt weather. Well, I don't know how to account for it. It's the weird thing because in the morning I got to put on a jacket mm-hmm. or a sweater. And then by the right. time that I come out at lunchtime to my car or, right. or like at the end of the day, it's like, this is too hot. I got to peel all these layers off. Right. So you so really are cold. dressing for two different seasons right now. I feel like I got one thing I want to say really quickly. Okay. What is it? Today is September 21st. Do you remember? Uh, you know what? Before we get a $10,000 fine and people get mad at me for having the that. worst voice ever, yes. what were you going to say? I was going to say today is my unbelievably amazing partner, Rosie's birthday. Rosie, Rosie. Shimada, I love you so much. Happy birthday, babe. You are the best thing that has ever happened to me. You are the beat of my heart and the light of my life. You are the favorite thing that I come home to every day. You mean so much. And I am so grateful to be a part of your life. I just want to say happy birthday, babe. I cannot wait to spend the rest of my life with you. I'm sorry you've got to spend the rest of your life with me, but I feel like I got a good deal out of this one. So happy birthday, babe. I love you so much. Nobody clipped that off and nobody clipped that off (laughs) while also clipping off what I said to my wife on her birthday like four weeks ago when I at the end of the show was like, happy birthday, Jabin. Love you. Oh, no, that's different. I'm apparently the worst husband That's not true. Happy birthday, Rosie. We love you. And uh, if you're watching right now, um, hello. Hello. I had no other message besides that. What are you guys doing to celebrate? Anything fun or no? Uh, today we're working. I'm working. Okay. She's working. No, we're okay. going to go out to dinner tonight. We got a big Great. thing planned. And then on Saturday, Manny, our son and I, uh, we got some things planned. So we're going to take her out and fun. have some fun Do you have activities. a favorite restaurant for a third, for a dinner just in general? Uh, she doesn't know this, but we're going to go to Jay Gilbert's tonight. Oh, a nice okay. steakhouse for okay. a, a real nice that, dinner. So. A little bit of fun. Must you know? be a big birthday. Congrats to Rosie. All right, let's dive in. Field, we got so much stuff to talk about. We got news. We got a trade that happened yesterday. We got Thursday night football we're going to preview. Yeah. We got some practice reports we're going to run you through and a bunch of just week three preview stuff getting you started for a week three preview. Yeah, it's almost like the half preview, right? It's like this is is. the appetizer preview because there's a lot to get to every week, especially when all 32 teams are playing. Yep. So we're doing sort of like an appetizer preview at the end of the show that will account for some of the stuff that we won't probably have as much time to get to tomorrow. Yeah, and we saw yesterday Cam Akers officially. You talked about this on the show because I asked you about it. Cam Akers officially traded from the Los Angeles Rams. We now know where he's going. The Minnesota Vikings in a conditional pick swap field. I was trying to find what years these draft picks were traded from. It was a, it was a tough one to figure out. Yeah. So the Vikings traded a 2026 conditional sixth round pick to the Rams for Cam Akers and a 2026 conditional seventh round pick. Uh, In the NFL, you are only allowed to trade three years out in terms of draft picks. If you're going to make the pick conditional and both teams are sending a pick, the least amount that you could pay for a player would be sending your own conditional sixth 
for a player and a conditional seven. So uh, this is a salary dump by yeah. the, the Rams. And be, when, when you deactivate a player and it's clear he's not a part of your short or long-term plans, you have very little in the way of leverage. Well, we already loved Kyron Williams, even with K-Makers being there that second week. Now that he is in Minnesota, do Alexander Madison managers have to think about what K-Makers is going to do to this value? All right. So here's how my read on the situation. The Vikings have 69 rushing yards to the first two weeks of this season. That's not nice. That is terrible. Yep. Matter of fact, so I look at it like this, and and just either yesterday afternoon or even this morning, their offensive coordinator Wes Phillips said, "This is not about our losing faith in Alexander Madison." That's coach speak. Yep. Okay, obviously the team expected more out of the running game through the first two weeks of the season, even with all the offensive line injuries that they have had, and they have had plenty of offensive line injuries. Yep, sixty nine yards in two games is unacceptable. I think this can simultaneously be a little bit about padding the depth and just taking a flyer on a player that the head coach, Kevin O'Connell, has familiarity with because prior to being with the Vikings, he was with the Rams, so he knows Cam Akers. I think it also be a little bit of a hedge in case things don't get better for Alexander Madison. Sure. So in week three, I still think Madison will be ranked about where he has been ranked the first two weeks of the season with a bit of a discount because he hasn't been what we've expected. Yep. But it's not like all of a sudden I have Cam Akers ranked as the highest Vikings running back for week three. If I roster Alexander Madison, yes, I'm a little bit nervous. Like I don't think that this is a guarantee that he is no longer the Vikings starting running back going forward. But part of the reason why we felt good about Alexander Madison coming into this season. There's nobody behind him. Yeah not, yeah, not just the extension that he earned, the two-year $7 million deal worth up to $8 million bucks, but also the fact that it wasn't like they had some obvious next man up that yeah. was going to steal work from him. That yep. being Ty Chandler or potentially Dwayne McBride, right. who used a seventh round pick and then waved. Um, I just think the bottom line is that uh, the Vikings probably have gotten less out of Alexander Madison than they expected and the running game in general. And so this is the first step in insulating that depth chart in a way they had not previously. So, um, Madison's been disappointing as far as like the overall production. The entire running game has been disappointing in terms of the overall production. Uh, but this does not make me feel like definitively Cam Akers is going to become the Vikings running back. Do I think he's an okay flyer just in case? Sure. I mean, I think it's justifiable in a 12 team league to throw a bench stash on Cam Akers right now. Absolutely. Do you I, like if you are asking me? If anything happened to Alexander Madison, he's going to yeah. miss time. Are the Vikings going to turn to Cam Akers or Trey McBride or uh, sorry, yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne McBride? McBride yeah. Yes. It's going like, to be, yeah. I, I know who it's going to be, right? It's Cam Akers. So he's definitely worth adding as a bench stash here in leagues. And I still have Alexander Madison as a low end RB2 here this week just because of the matchup against the Chargers. Doesn't make me feel good about it, though, Field. That's the hard part right no, now. No, I mean, obviously, long term, it makes you feel a bit more nervous about Alexander Madison, and you were already nervous based off of the slow First start, right? Yep. In the short term, though, I think there are a couple of encouraging signs. One, it's Thursday. It's hard for me to imagine that Cam Akers plays a huge role on Sunday. Two, this is the best matchup that the Vikings will have faced so far in the season in terms yep. of running the ball against what has been a not-stout Chargers defensive front. And three, at least for right now, Madison still profiles for 15 to 20 total touches, which I know he hasn't turned that into enough so far, but it's hard to drop him too far down the rankings. I was lowest yesterday. I had him at RB21. It's hard for me to drop him a whole lot lower 
just because not too many players ranked lower than RB21 are getting anywhere close to 15 or 20 touches per game. Yeah, Akers is not impacting my Alexander Madison ranking for week three, but he may impact our Alexander Madison rankings go moving forward, depending totally. on, on yeah. what he looks like here this week. And, but I, I don't want to like I don't want to go too far with this because Cam Akers has not been good. No, he wasn't. He had 21 care, 22 carries in week one. He turned those into 29 yards. Not that the Rams, it's not like Kyron Williams has been averaging five yards per carry, but there were concerns about Cam Akers uh, that even last year until the last, what, four or five weeks of the season was not an explosive runner. I don't think that what the Vikings just did is added a game changer in the backfield, but they added some depth that they previously did not have, which of course only sees your worry meter rise a bit for Alexander Madison. All right. Let's move ahead and dive in field to our Thursday night preview. Preview. What do you think Stefania is doing right now to pregame this game? It's only what nine hours till kickoff. Yeah, glass of glass of wine at least. One glass of wine. What one so far? Or? I think she's probably doing one, one glass of wine okay. and half a gummy now. <laughs> Hold on, I got to explain this once you're done. <laughs> We were talking about this earlier in the show, uh, before the show. Uh, that's it's a very specific. I don't, I don't want people that are like, what is that? What doing is gummies? Defying is doing gummies. Um, if you did not see first, first take, take yesterday, just yesterday. go Google uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo's uh, plans for this Saturday, and that reference will make a whole lot more whole sense. Lot sense. <laughs> I'm figuring. I feel like it's a champagne flute kind of day here for Stefania. 49ers play tonight. That's exciting. As I mentioned, it's cold this morning, but supposed to be beautiful here in Connecticut this afternoon. Like. Yep. Rosé or champagne flute feels like what Stefania is probably getting herself into prior to the game tonight. You know what? I think rosé is probably where it's at for today, Field, if I was Stefania. Just given that Rose's birthday is today. Right, Rosé. Rosé. How about about. that? We're tying it all together right there. All right. Lineup blocks for this Thursday night game include Christian McCaffrey. Obviously. Debo Samuel this week right now, especially with where Brandon Ayuk is at. Obviously a lineup block. And Darren Waller as well. There's another player that I wanted to put in this lineup block field, and I had a really hard time with it. His name is George Kittle. Mm, yeah, George yeah. Kittle has been tight end 27 through two weeks. We have him still ranked as tight end five because here's the deal. He's a much better tight end mm. than like almost everybody out there in the tight end stratosphere. Like yeah. He's just better than everyone else. I understand it has been difficult these first two weeks. If you drafted George Kittle, I'm still starting him. I'm not going out and starting a streamer over George Kittle in week three. Yeah, it's a hard one. I mean, I think this is a conversation that we have once a day on the show. It's just a different tight end that we're talking about, right? It's like, you can bench George Kittle. I don't know who it is that you're going to bench. And by the way, this is what George Kittle does. He's due for one, though, soon, right? Because the moment you bench George Kittle is the moment that he has two touchdowns in a game. A reminder that last year, he had nine touchdowns. Eight of those came in four games. Mm-hmm. So him having two touchdowns in a game is not only like not that crazy. At some point, it's going to happen. We should expect it. So I think you have to just kind of continue to ride the wave with George Kittle and understand that for the players not named Christian McCaffrey and maybe Debo Samuel, this 49ers offense is going to represent an element of unpredictability. Yeah. One more log in the fire for George Kittle tonight. We can take this as a segue right into the next player is that there may not be Brandon Ayuk on the field tonight. Which is going to be big. I'm, I know we're segueing. I want to say this. If you drafted George Kittle, yeah. you should have known the Mike Evans or Mike Williams nature of this tight end. That's part of what you get when you draft George Kittle. Totally. If I drafted him, 
I'm not taking him out of my lineup and just trying to guess which weeks he's going to go off. I'm starting George Kittle unless I have a reason not to start George pull, Kittle. Let me, let me pull up George Kittle's game logs uh, from recent seasons and just give you a sense of uh There's a lot more boom finished. bust in there. I mean, he's got had some huge weeks, and he has absolutely carried some teams, Field. But it's you been, ready for this, though? But, been up but and down. This is what you me. have to deal with for George Kittle. This is last year, okay. PPR scoring in the games he played. Tight end 20, 37, 20. Three straight games of duds. Yep. Then it gets good. Five, okay. one, yep. seven. So three straight games of top seven. Yep. Then 30, okay. two, 25, 30. Then we get hot again. 16, and eh, one, three, 13. That was the bad week. And then tight end two. So how many weeks inside the top three did he have? Then do you so have got one, two, three, four, five, five top three weeks, six top five weeks last year. Fields, you just can't play the guessing game. If you've got George Kittle, yeah, that's a part of it. married to the game, baby. Just you either do it or you don't do it. And do you, or do not do it. There is no try is no, that's with right. George Kittle, right? Well, is Brandon Ayuk going to try to go tonight? Game field? time decision. Well done by you right there. Yes, he is going to try to give it a go, but until 90 minutes before kickoff, we are not going to know whether Brandon Ayuk will play tonight. Um, unless if, Adam Schefter decides to get ahead of the curve heavy. here at some point before 6.45 p.m. Eastern time. That being said, if you have Brandon Ayuk, you have to sort of make that same decision that we are talking about with George Kittle. Yep. If you can't have, if you can't like accept the, like if, if you're going to enjoy the good, you have to accept the bad. Let's play that same game or at least a close game to Brandon Ayuk in terms of his fantasy finishes last year. We'll, we'll include this year too, because he has had a hot start, right? All right. So game log for Brandon Ayuk. And this is PPR scoring this year. Two yep. and 65. Yep. Okay. So one for two in terms of duds. Wow. A lot and, and of games. He got, he got banged up because of that left shoulder that we are talking about in that second game yeah. where he's wide receiver. 65. Yep. Uh, 63, 40. This is last year. 63, 41, 39, 50, 48. And then tied, a wide receiver four, wide receiver 18, wide receiver 11. Then we go 33, 15, 36, 44, 28, 74, 31, 3, and 42. So like. This is the Brandon Ayuk experience. You say seventy-one and three right yeah, next to each other. Were, yeah, yeah. So, and th- this like this goes back multiple years for Ayuk, a very, very talented player. Now, here are a couple of reasons to be optimistic. Okay, this do you know the Giants' defense has yet to pick up a sack or an interception this season. They've been terrible so far this year. I'm not surprised. That's a well-coached Giant. I am. They really? played well last year, yeah, and they're really well coached by Wink Martindale. I don't know what has gotten into them, but they couldn't get it done against the freaking Cardinals last week. They didn't look good. They did not look good at all. They ended up winning the game, but not because of the defensive efforts. So um, maybe this secondary is one to be had, uh, but that's sort of the only reason. And, and because Ayuk is a talented player, here's the only way that I'm not starting Brandon Ayuk if my plans were to start him anyways. If we get a note during the pregame reporting that Ayuk will play, but it's going to be held to a snap count, right. I'll fade. Otherwise, my approach to Brandon Ayuk will be what it is in other weeks. I either am signing up for the Brandon Ayuk experience or I am not signing up for the Brandon Ayuk experience. Yep. You got to choose your battle. And if you want to play that game, I'm playing that game tonight unless we get snap count information in the pregame reporting. It's a tricky one. It's part of the reason why this might be the kind of player that some tend to fade during the draft process. Yep. And especially this week with no buys field, you don't need to play a player that has question marks with if we still have the full roster of the entirety of the NFL at our disposal right now. And you know what else? I mean, and it can go both ways, but 
if you're anxious and you don't want to play him and you're just telling yourself like, I just don't want to play Brandon Ayuk because I'm worried about the potential for a dud, injury recurrence, whatever it might be. I will say this, and if you're out there listening right now, I know you can relate to it. There's something about a bad Thursday night game that stings way worse oh, yeah. than a dud on a Sunday. You're staring at that box score You're for like, multiple days. You have three days, days to look oh, at it, and when a dud is taking place on Sunday, it's happening in the context of like seven other games right. going on. Right. So uh, I've got Brandon Ayuk ranked where I normally have him ranked, right? Like he's like a wide borderline wide receiver three, but I am preparing for the possibility of anything tonight. Yes. Him not playing, him playing, him having 22 fantasy points, him having two fantasy points. All right, let's wrap up this Thursday night conversation. Last week, okay. Daniel Jones was quarterback one on the season. Yeah. If you were going to start... For the week, yeah. Yes, for, sorry, not on the season, for the week. Yep. If you were going to start a quarterback here from this game tonight, yeah. are you starting Daniel Jones against this <laughs> 49ers defense knowing what he did last week, or are you starting Brock Purdy as a streamer who is a high-floor kind of streamer? I've got Brock Purdy as one spot ahead of Daniel Jones. Quarterback 15 and quarterback 16. Okay. So the answer is really neither for me. I don't want to start either one. That being said, I just think that like the, the the bust percentage for Daniel Jones is significantly higher because of the matchup than it is for Brock Purdy, even though Daniel Jones is a far superior fantasy quarterback. Uh, Purdy, I expect to have somewhere between like, you know, 12 and 18 fantasy points. Yep. You know why? That tends to be what he does. In his now eight starts for the 49ers, he has won one, one game over 20 fantasy points, right? He is a reasonable uh, floor and low ceiling player. Yep. Daniel Jones, though, faces a terrific defense. We saw what happened to them in week one. They got absolutely crushed by the Cowboys defensive front. It could happen again tonight because not only did the Giants have no Saquon Barkley, their offensive line is all sorts of banged up as well. So if I have Daniel Jones as my normal starter, I do think there are good streaming options that I would consider ahead of Daniel Jones. One word on Matt Breida. Um, just say no, just say no, no, no would be my, yeah. I mean, no I've got him as outside my top 30 for running backs and that, that represents the kind of player that I would generally not want to play unless absolutely had to, because I'm in a 16 team league and there were no other options. Back up running back on a short week against the 49ers defense. Yeah. And I don't expect Matt Breida to have like a massive, massive role like Saquon Barkley did until no. Saquon Barkley returns. Like that's not who he is, right? I mean, you go back to Matt Breida and like his career, how many games does Matt Breida have like 25 carries to his name? Probably right? like, not many. It's, it's been a long time. He is a sort of a role play. He's a very well, specific role player and a useful role player for the giants is, is like, you know, play 10% of the snaps as a, you know, backup to Saquon Barkley, but it's been literally. a while. Like, unless you want to buy in on the revenge game against his old team, the 49ers, but not doing it. Yeah. I mean, last year, no more than nine carries, So no games, Let's try to find the last time that Matt Breida had at least 10 carries in a game. What do you think the answer is? Matt Breida? Yep. Probably 2020, I'm going to say. 2020? It might be 2020. So let's go to 2021, and I still see none there. Still I, none for Matt Breida. 2020. 2020. The last time that Matt Breida had at least 10 carries in a game was 2020. December 20th, 2020. Gross. That was 12 carries for Matt Breida. So 12. 12. So, yeah. I mean, I would not expect a player of his stature to have, you know, 20 
carries tonight or anything close to it. So I'm yep. avoiding if I can. Yep. All right, Field, let's get... Oh, let's pick this game. I mean, it kind of seems kind of silly. I'm going to take the 49ers. Okay. Big tonight, big. Yeah, All right. this, is, uh, this one could get ugly. Frame. Yes, I know the Giants. They showed some grit last week, um, and this team was, was very tough and rugged and like gritty last year for much of the season, but this one feels like uh, you know a significant talent gap. It's just going to lend itself to a pretty ugly game. 49ers advance to 3-0. and All right. Let's do a bunch of practice, like quick fire updates here, Field, getting us ready for setting our lineups, knowing what's coming tomorrow. Yeah. For those of you that don't sit on Twitter all day looking for status reports or updates, let's just run through it. I'll rip through this in about 90 seconds. You'll have yes. what you need to know based off of Wednesday information. We'll begin with Joe Burrow. And there's nothing because the Bengals start practicing today for yep. a Monday night game. Zach Taylor, as head coach, said on Monday, it's hard to say whether Burrow will be available against the Rams on Monday night. I was previously less optimistic on this one. I'm now more optimistic that Joe Burrow will play come Monday night. I hope so. Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, two-star running backs in week one and in general, did not practice on Wednesday. Both of them did not practice because of an ankle injury for Austin Eckler, mm. hamstring injury for Aaron Jones. Isaiah Pacheco, this is a new one. He's got a hamstring injury for the Chiefs. He did not practice on Wednesday. On their active roster, the only two running backs besides Pacheco. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And Jared, and Jared McKinnon. McKinnon. Yes. Yep. So uh, keep an eye on potentially Daenerys Prince as a practice squad elevation or LaMichael P. Ryan as a practice squad elevation if Pacheco can't go. I haven't heard the name Daenerys Prince since draft season. Field Seriously, days. yeah. Tulsa uh, UDFA, who yep. shined a little bit during uh, training camp, we and then was it. eventually waived. Amon Ross St. Brown, mm -hmm. your boy, uh, did not practice on Wednesday because of a toe injury. The Lions tenor earlier in the week was not particularly concerning. That being said, if he return, if he does not return to the practice field today, Friday becomes a very, Big very day. critical day. Christian Watson did return to practice for the Packers, limited capacity, so it sounds like he's got a chance to play on Sunday. I haven't seen him yet this yep. year. Uh, have not seen him yet this year. That's correct. Zay Jones for the Jaguars did not participate in practice on Wednesday. Remember, of course, he got hurt during the game last week. He ended up returning, but not playing a whole bunch. Jalen Waddle. In the concussion protocol, that being said, according to Mike McDaniel as head coach for the Dolphins, quote, not really worried about it. So we'll see whether he advances out of the concussion protocol, but didn't practice on Wednesday for the Dolphins. Okay. And finally, DK Metcalf took that big hit yeah, he did last week against the Lions against uh, to the ribs. Did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, he's a big, strong dude, though. Wouldn't surprise me if we see DK Metcalf back on the practice field at some point today or tomorrow. Of course, the Seahawks do have one of the best third receivers in the NFL with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Just a couple extra Skittles. I think DK will probably he'll be, be fine. Yeah, he'll be totally fine. All right, we're going to dive into a bunch of week three lineup decisions yeah, in we a are. second. But first, Field Yates. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? You know I would. And of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Football is back, baby! Catch every pass, every tackle, and every heart-pounding play live and in-person thanks to our go-to ticket source, Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats delivers great deals on great seats, and they have your back with their 100% buyer guarantee. Vivid Seats is the official ticketing partner of ESPN, and they're offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code FFF. That is code FFF. 
Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right, Field, we're going to talk about a bunch of week three lineup decisions, starting with the new Orleans Saints. Yes, we are, Daniel. So I wanted to, again, this is, think of this as like the first 25% of our week three preview with topics that I think are either like lesser in terms of importance or topics that aren't going to be as tethered to stuff that could happen tomorrow, right? Like we're obviously going to hammer Austin Eckler and things like that, right? Um, But when we have a more definitive picture on whether he's going to play or not, but here are things that I think are a little bit less tied to 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 the health of players and more just tied to like what we know about these situations. We know that... Alvin Kamara out one more week will not be back until week four. We also know that Jamal Williams dealing with a hamstring injury and Dennis Allen has said that the team will not be adding a running back this week, which means they are rolling with two guys. Three guys, I think, but two, yes. Tony Jones Jr. and and Kendra Miller. Right. With Taysom Hill as that third guy. Okay, sure. No, seriously. It's going to play some running back. It's going to play a role for them this Sunday. And what that means is that if I can, I'm avoiding these backs entirely. Uh, It's not that I don't like Kendra Miller as a prospect. Had a great season last year for TCU. A third round pick. It's got some juice to him. And Tony Jones obviously filled in capably this past Monday night, at least in terms of finding the end zone twice. But I don't think either one of these players is surefire enough that you have to play them in week three. As a matter of fact, as Mike alluded to yesterday, this is going to be the Kendra Miller slash Tony Jones slash Taysom Hill show, right? So when you got three running backs all playing a legitimate role, I think it's worth avoiding if you can. This is a one-week arrangement, by the way. Alvin Kamara back next week. He serves, he not only, uh, excuse me, he saves solves a lot of what the uh, Saints have been dealing with in the backfield recently and probably helps a lot of fantasy managers along the way as well because running back depth is so, so bad. Super bad. Yeah, Yeah. if you cannot start one of these Saints, that's how I have them ranked as well this week, Field. Let's talk about the Houston Texans. There is one thing that I feel like is working for the Texans right now in fantasy, and that is their pass catchers. There is a ton of volume going out to not only Nico Collins, but Robert Woods, and you saw Tank Dell last week. All three of them were getting involved because these Texans have been down. C.J. Stroud has had to sling it. Yeah. So I'm all in on Nico Collins this week as a starter in my flex spot. Do you have a Texans wide receiver other than Nico? understanding the volume that you would look at using here. I do not. So let's talk about a couple of these uh, Texans players beyond just Nico Collins. Do I have his wide receiver 32? We've got 20 targets in the first two yes, games. And one thing that we have known about Nico Collins for a while, he's a talented dude. Yep. He now has the quarterback with the most natural talent that he's ever played with uh, during his three seasons in Houston. Cause I don't think he ever played with Deshaun Watson and that's CJ Stroud who can sling it. He threw for nearly 400 yards this past week. He's a good player. He's the clear cut. Number one, his quarterback's an ascending player who's got a very good arm. This team is going to play bad defense consistently. from behind. 28 points per game allowed by the Texans in their first two games. I expect them to continue to have to play catch-up throughout the course of a game. So Nico Collins is my wide receiver 32 this week. Okay, Keep but- it an eye. Go ahead. Well, because of all of that, are you going to switch to a non-wide receiver now? Because uh, I was just going to close the book on right, Tank Dell, who's super talented, yes. third-round pick. Deeper league consideration, but hard to expect a whole lot much more than that because 
Robert Woods is playing He's a role. Dalton Schultz is playing a role. Yep. So there's enough guys that are going to eat away at the target share to go to Tank Dell instead. Do you think that Tank Dell is the kind of name that's worth a stash at the end of a bench right now? On principle, just because his name is Tank? Yes. 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 Uh, no, I think in a deeper league, it's it's a consideration for sure. In a 10-team league, I do not think he needs to be stashed right now. It is really difficult if you have been rostering Damian Pierce because these Texans have had to throw. Everything that you just talked about lines up to Texans have to throw the football. They're behind in games. They're having to keep up with what's going on. Like this has not been the Damian Pierce show that we wanted for fantasy. Is he someone that you can still start with confidence? And maybe confidence is not the right word. No, not with confidence. The upside's tapped here for a few reasons. First of all, the offensive line's a disaster. Yes, it is. Pretty much every good player along the offensive line, other than Shaq Mason, is on IR right now. So what do you expect when a team is down to its like fifth through eighth lineman like that's just hard no matter how good your quarterback is or isn't no matter how good your running back is or isn't so it's going to be tough for him to get yards before contact and even though I just mentioned that CJ Stroud's an ascending player I don't think teams are yet afraid of this Texans passing offense to the degree that they're going to say you know what we got to lighten the box and worry about covering deep down the field. They're going to challenge the Texans' running game by stacking the box. It's going to be tough sledding for Damian Pierce. You know, he's been fine in terms of, like, touch volume, but not dominant enough as a rusher to have him as a lineup lock right now. It sucks because he's a really good player, but this Texans' offense is just sort of not set up with all their injuries to lend itself to RB15 to 18 value for Damian Pierce, which is what we hoped for going into the season. Injuries because of the offensive line, game script with the way that things have been playing out. It's just not what you're looking for if you've been rostering Damian Pierce, which is why I like Nico Collins. I know you do too. And looking at these wide receivers as potential uh, end of bench ads. Yeah, totally. Let's talk about this Jets backfield field because it was really difficult in week two as well. When you look at this, Uh, Brees Hall could not use him. Last week. Yeah. Dalvin Cook. Haven't been able to use him for two straight weeks. We were like, hey, guys, grab Dalvin Cook. He's the guy you can use at the start of the season. I'm getting to the point where... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want you to be held accountable for that because... Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers got hurt at uh, yes, four plays. All... Like, the Jets offense looks a lot different. The way that teams are defended them looks a lot different. If not for the fact... Or if Aaron Rodgers under center. So like, this is... A, this no is one could have predicted that. that. If, understanding, though, even though we didn't predict it, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. I got one more week of wanting to see if Dalvin Cook can do anything. And if not, I'm probably pretty good to be like, see ya. He could be welcome to Dumpsville pretty soon. You are correct. He has 17 carries for 40 yards this season. 17 for 40. It's a 2.4 yard average for Dalvin Cook. He had uh, negative fantasy points this past week as he lost a fumble. Uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, it was an interesting conversation after he got released about whether the Vikings were motivated only by money or if part of this was that Dalvin Cook was a declining player. Uh, And I think it's pretty clear that Dalvin Cook has become a declining player relative to what we witnessed in recent seasons. This week, it's supposed to be an absolute slop fest weather-wise in the New England area, including down East Rutherford, New Jersey, where they're going to play this game against the Patriots. This could be a very low-scoring game. Yeah. This could be a game where both teams have trouble passing the football. Heck, the Jets are already having having trouble passing the football, and the Patriots aren't a whole lot better in that regard right now. So I expect this game to be extremely run-heavy and very low-scoring. The problem is I just don't think that Dalvin Cook has the juice right now to generate a massive day on the ground. Yep. Brees Hall does have the juice. The question is how much of an opportunity is he going to get? Because while the Jets obviously need offensive answers right now, 
He's still coming off of a torn ACL and yeah. still a guy who the Jets are going to be a little bit more careful with than they will be by maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through the season. Yeah. I've got Brees Hall ranked 10 spots higher, RB27, and Dalvin Cook at RB37. The obvious reason is that even if Dalvin Cook has two more carries than Brees Hall in week three, if you told me that one of them ripped off a 50-yard run, it's I'm Brees taking Hall. Brees Hall every day yes. of the week. But right now, this backfield feels a lot more radioactive than I thought it was going to be coming into the season. Well, he only had four carries. Brees Hall did last week. Yeah, last week. week, yeah. That's, I mean, is, do you, when you look at that, is that just like a, hey man, this Jets offense was just terrible, you know, get, not Garrett Wilson, Zach Wilson just had to be out there throwing it the entire time. If you're going to see that kind of volume from Brees Hall, he's not even considerable for you to be able to well, start. he'll have more volume than that this week. Last week was falling behind to an awesome defense early, an awesome team early. But is that going to, like... I, I don't think it's going to happen saying. this week. Okay. Okay. Because they're, the, they're still a good defense. They're not as good of an offense, but like it, the Patriots still have a great defense. No, the Patriots do have a great defense. I just don't think the Patriots are going to be up 21 to nothing in this game. And that's where it and came that's from. where I think Brees Hall is going to be able to stay on the field because the Jets aren't trying to throw the football 40 times in a game. Okay. Also, Matt factor in the weather. Like I think Brees Hall is looking at like hopefully 10 to 15 carries on Sunday, maybe okay. more. I, and I would love that because if that's the way that it worked out in week three, it's sort of the opposite of what we saw in week two, where we saw Garrett Wilson get a ton of volume, even though it didn't turn out to as much as you wanted. Yeah. If this is going to be one of those ground and pound, let your running backs and play defense kind of, kind of do it. Like Garrett Wilson's going to slide way down our fantasy rankings. I have him just inside my top 20 yeah, at the too. wide receiver. I've got him as wide receiver 19 nervous for a few reasons. One, the weather. We just talked about that. Yeah. Two, the quarterback. We've talked about that for I'm two more plus nervous seasons about the quarterback now. Yes, than the weather. I am. <laughs> and then the last thing here, as you mentioned, the Patriots have a good defense. Mike Clay alluded to this in his wide receiver cornerback column. The Patriots might have the next great cornerback on their hands. Christian Gonzalez, their first round pick out of Oregon, who last week shadowed Tyreek Hill, something like 14 of 14 perimeter routes after a certain point in the game. It wasn't only Christian Gonzalez, but the Patriots did as good of a job as you can do on Tyree Kill in the grand scheme, right? Five catches for 40 yards. That was a big thing coming out about Christian Gonzalez was he had size and speed, right? Yeah, I mean, the guy, he, I have no idea how he went 17th overall, but he is clearly like a stone-cold baller for the Patriots. If he shadows Garrett Wilson, only puts a little bit less value uh, in Garrett Wilson for this upcoming Sunday. So I've got him as wide receiver 20. That one might be adjusted. This entire game might be adjusted for me a little bit just because if the weather is as gnarly as it currently looks on the radar, it's going to be tough for either offense to do anything on Sunday. It already has been tough for either offense to do anything so far this season. (sighs) I just want all the Garrett Wilson managers out there to know that we are literally We're in the in same together. boat as you guys are. That's We're so frustrating yeah. because you use such a high draft pick on this guy. And you know what? I can't sell him for pennies on the dollar yet. I got to wait and see if something is going to get better. But I don't know what that means. Like I, I just you feel trapped in this situation as a fantasy manager of Garrett Wilson. It sucks. I mean, but, you know, again. What are you going to do? You were drafting him because you thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be know. on the field. That's part of football. Yeah. All right. Do you trust anybody, anybody in your fantasy lineup yeah. from the Chicago Bears? Yeah, so a tough day yesterday, obviously, uh, at Howes Hall with uh, a lot of things going on. A lot uh, of stuff. You know, a quote from Justin Fields that uh, led to him eventually coming back out and addressing the media later. He was talking about just some of the things that have gone on so far this season. He was talking about playing a little bit too robotic so far and 
someone was asking, he was kind of pressed on like, you know, what can you do to adjust that? And what are some of the things that might've contributed to that? And he said, coaching in the context of a much longer and larger and more thoughtful answer, it set off a whole hullabaloo. Is that the right word? It is the, it might be the right word. Hullabaloo, whatever. And, um, it is a, uh, it's led to, you know, some drama over the past 24 hours. He came back, he took ownership of the comments. He clarified it was not a, a shot at my coaching staff. I truly felt bad for Justin Fields yesterday. I'm not going to lie. Um, you are responsible for what you say. At the same time, I don't think that Justin Fields was trying to out his coaches and put this all on them. I think it was legitimately part of a much longer answer. Um, That's not the part that was was confusing to me. Like I, I think he just misspoke and and it, yeah, it, it, yeah, got, yeah. it got misinterpreted. That part, yeah, that wasn't the part that was strange to me. What was strange? The part that was strange to me is the fact that you say that there's maybe too many things going on in your head to be able to figure out. Like you know, it's not just the voices, but like too many things. Like you know, I just got to be able to play. I got to stop thinking. And it's like in my mind, this is why quarterbacks get paid forty million dollars. You know where every single wide receiver is going to go and all the multiple routes they have. You know your entire offensive line's protection and yeah. everything that they need to do. You are literally the guy that has to know everything about that offense. So when you say that, that was the thing that got me more than the coaching. I think that was just he misspoke and we kind of took that and ran with it because that's sometimes fun. And yeah, that's what we do. yeah, I mean that's, that's so what we that, do. In this that world, was right? more confusing because if I see that, I'm like that makes me nervous about Justin Fields not progressing as the quarterback yeah. that you want to see because he can use yeah. his legs great. I want him to be able to go through those progressions and those reads, and that's what I felt like in his answer caught me more. That's interesting because most people are not taking the time to think about it thoughtfully like that. Instead, what they're doing is just saying like, oh, the Bears have failed Justin Fields or Justin Fields sucks and he should be cut tomorrow, right? Which tends oh, to be how society works these days. There's nuances um, here, right? There should be some nuance in everything, uh, but there is not often nuance <laughs> in things that we discussed in the world of sports media. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly, but here's what I would say. For our purposes, yeah, for our purposes in fantasy football, what we want is for the Bears to maybe go back to what worked last year with Justin Fields. Yeah. Understanding that while what worked last year for Justin Fields in fantasy probably doesn't align with what's going to work long-term in the NFL. Because yeah. as great as Justin Fields was last season, let's go back and see where the... I'm just going to, while we're here, pull this up on the fly. I wonder where the Bears ranked in total offense as a team last year. If you had to guess. I would guess... Uh, second to last. Okay. Fifth from last at okay. 307.8 yards per game. How about scoring points per game? I would also say second to last. Uh, they were, let's see. I just have like them in Atlanta. Bottom as 10, the two. 19.2 okay. points per game last season. Under 20 points a game last year. So I can simultaneously make the argument that going back to some of the stuff that worked last year would be good for the Bears, right? Because it does feel like there's just maybe too much Justin Fields' comments yesterday suggest there might be too much on his plate right now. Yep. I can also understand the Bears' motivation to want to evolve from what the offensive system was last year. Because they're an because, NFL team, not right, a fantasy manager. 19.2 points per game. Right. Now, I'll be the first to admit that last year was not simply like a scheme and approach thing. The Bears were undermanned last year. They knew that, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they traded for DJ Moore, amongst other things, this offseason. This is a much, much longer conversation than we probably expected it to be as it pertains to fantasy football. But the point is this. For fantasy purposes, what we would want would be Justin Fields running a ton yes. like he did last year. Not how seldom he has been used through the 
first two games of this season, Mm -hmm. barely being used as a runner. I do believe that yesterday's comments could be a bit of a signal that Justin Fields would like to do a bit more of what comes very naturally and easy to him. As a result of that, I think Justin Fields might run the football a bit more going forward. That will help his fantasy ceiling and his fantasy floor. I've got him right outside my top 10 for quarterbacks. You're hoping on Sunday, though, that this game, if you if you, if you play fantasy football, what you're hoping for is you hope this game gets out of hand early. Yes. The Chiefs jump all over an undermanned Bears defense. Yep. And that Justin Fields has to throw the ball a ton. The Chiefs pressure him a ton. And he turns, you know, 12 quarterback pressures into six quarterback scrambles. And those six scrambles equal 42 yards and a touchdown. His ability to break containment within the pocket is what's going to set him apart. Right. And that's what we need him to get back to. So it's a really interesting conversation. And I know that we are doing the fantasy side of it, but I fully understand from the NFL side, maybe the bears don't want him to play that way because they need him to take that next step. Yeah. I mean, that that seems to be, I mean, even the bills have talked about like wanting Josh Allen to run the football less and the Panthers, when they had Cam Newton talked about like wanting Cam Newton to run the football ball less. Russell Wilson's no longer a runner, right? Like Lamar Jackson is an offense where they're yeah, trying they're to get trying to have a, yeah, like there are probably examples of quarterbacks that have stood the test of time and continued to run throughout the course of their career, but generally speaking the evolution tends to be leaning less on the legs and more on the arm yeah. for many quarterbacks. But Justin Fields, like I think it's like people are actually nervous. I mean, in our Michigan men group thread last night, was I think it was John who asked like how do you guys come up with your rankings? How was he saw the post from uh, the ESPN fantasy handle about yeah. how Justin Fields is quarterback 10 in terms of our consensus ranks. And it was almost baffling to him that Justin Fields could be a top 10 fantasy quarterback because of how bad it's been. It's been really bad. It has been, you know what he's averaging over 14 fantasy points per game. Like for as bad as it's been in back-to-back weeks, I, let me just pull this up. So I'm, I'm specific and not screwing it up, but I want to say it's like over 14 fewer than 15 fantasy points in each of the first two games for Justin Fields. Oh. If I'm totally wrong, I apologize. I'll correct myself. ASAP. Where are you? Justin Fields. Uh, come on now. I can't find him in this. There, I got him right here. Justin Fields. Uh, 14.54, 14.74 fantasy points for gross. Justin Fields. That's gross. Fields. I know. However, it's been that bad. It feels like it's been that bad. And he's still 14.54. So this is the the floor for Justin Fields. It's a pretty damn good floor right there. Yes, it is. Pretty damn good for a guy that if you expect him to just be a little bit better, that 14.54 could easily turn into 18.54 for Justin Fields. And I can absolutely talk myself into the narrative that you already laid out. Chiefs get up big against an undermanned Bears defense. Justin Fields has got to get out and use his legs or figure out how to be able to utilize these wide receivers. I'm going to say this. I'm not using a single Bears running back in fantasy in week three. Yeah. Punting on all of them. If I'm going to look at a wide receiver, DJ Moore is the only one from the Chicago Bears that I'm thinking about utilizing, hoping that him and Justin Fields can connect in case they get down. But I don't feel as confident as I want to. Last week was better for DJ Moore. Sure. But still not enough for me, Fields. You know what's interesting is that, like, I'm, by the way, I'm looking around at all the top 10 quarterbacks. Uh, you know, of for the, us, the eight of the eight quarterbacks that were considered like the consensus, like, you know, yep. premium quarterbacks this year, even you can even add Tua, Deshaun Watson to this mix of those quarterbacks, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Lamar, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tungo Vailoa. There's only three of them that have at least 14 fantasy points in both of their starts. 
So as, as bad as it's been, it's bad for everyone. It could be worse, right? Lamar had a dud in week one. Josh Allen dud in week one. Yep. Burrow has been terrible Patrick for both Mahomes weeks. Has right? Two weeks where he's first week he didn't even hit twenty fantasy points. I know, but for Mahomes it's different. Like his well, floor, his floor is, is nineteen 20. and a half fantasy yeah. points. Like he's such an alien. It's but you know ridiculous. what? When you draft Patrick Mahomes, I do expect twenty eight. But, but Trevor still. Lawrence has been more disconcerting than Justin Fields yes, in terms of the floor, right? Even Tua, who was amazing in week one, had twelve and a half fantasy points last week. If so you bought anyways, in on Deshaun potentially yeah. being that guy to take the step two. That's been really terrible. You just mentioned the Bears receivers. Worth noting that it looks like there could be a shadow coming for DJ Moore from Legereus Sneed from Mike's wide receiver cornerback column. Sneed playing more in the perimeter this year than on the uh, than in the slot as he had at times in prior years. Love that shadow report. Go check it out right now awesome. on ESPN.com. Really, yep. really good read. All right. Is Chris Godwin, do you think, a lineup lock in this Bucks offense, understanding that Mike Evans has looked like the go-to wide receiver for Baker Mayfield? Uh, yes and no. Still a lineup lock. He is not a lineup not lock. A lineup I, lock. I do understand people's frustrations because he has just over 100 yards and 10 catches in two games without finding the end zone. If you had told me before the season which of these two Bucks wide receivers would dominate in targets, I would have told you definitely Mike Evans. I'm sorry, definitely Chris Godwin. That's what I would say. It has not been that way so far. The reasons for optimism are this. As great as that Philadelphia defense was last year, they're going through some stuff right now. Notably, injuries. Sounds like they could have James Bradbury back in week three, their terrific perimeter corner. But Avante Maddox placed on IR. He's their slot corner. Good player. Maybe this is the week in which Chris Godwin gets back on track. They play in one of the two Monday night football games. They're in the early of the two Monday night football games. I've got him as wide receiver 21. I'm hoping the volume goes upwards. I'm hoping that Philadelphia's offense plays a little bit better and this becomes a highly a high scoring game. Me too. Um, Godwin's obviously a very, very good player. He's close. Like I can understand some of the early frustrations for Chris Godwin managers, but I'm not cutting uh, bait by any stretch right now on this guy who's been too good for too long and an offense that say what you want about Baker Mayfield's past and his tenure in certain stops. He's been pretty sharp so far. He has played well. He has definitely earned the right to continue to be the Bucks quarterback one. Absolutely. And uh, while, two it, and oh, yeah. Yeah, while it hasn't been everything that I've wanted as a fantasy manager, because I did want Chris Godwin to get more involved. Yeah. Let, I still feel I'm very enthused with the Mike Evans usage that he has been getting someone that I think like this offense doesn't look inept. They're able to matriculate the ball down the field. That's my Stefania word for the day. Love that line. And uh, you know, when I look at it, I don't think that Chris Godwin is a guy that I feel the same confidence in that I would for Mike Evans right now, but yeah. he's still somebody that I feel very comfortable if I need to use him in my flex hoping that this week like you said against an eagles defense i'm looking for a lot of a lot of points here yeah um, there's a lot of flex wide receivers. there's like 20 it's, guys i can start in my flex right now again small sample size but you know it's still seven targets a game for chris Godwin. you like you that. do the math over the course of a year right that's going to be what almost 120 70, targets yep. during a 17 game stretch that's not a terrible number for a guy that could easily see that number skyrocket by a lot in week three all right we have one more conversation here yeah. and it's trying to figure out what you do with a Ravens backfield taken on the Colts this week. Yep. Justice Hill and Gus Edwards are really the two guys that we're trying to choose between. Uh, yes, but we might have to choose this week because Justice Hill sounds like he is very iffy to play in this game. Jeremy Fowler reporting that Justice Hill is banged up. Sounds maybe even unlikely to play in week three. The team added Kenyon Drake to the practice squad yesterday. Did familiar they face. Let go of Melvin Gordon in order to add him, or is Melvin Gordon no, still Melvin a part Gordon of the team? Melvin Gordon still a part of the team. Okay. So it will probably be week three, Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon, all available for the team against the Colts. 
So what do you do? You have to kind of either decide is one of them worth it or none of them worth it. I think Gus Edwards is like fringy worth it. And here's the reason why. Gus Edwards is going to be the lead back in this offense. Yep. And if that lead back gives him 15 to 16 carries, he could pay off. He has to find the end zone, but he could pay off. Like he's a legitimately solid north-south runner. This team has loved Gus Edwards for a long they time. Have, yes. There's not a ton of upside here, but he's like a fringy top 30 to 35 running back play in week four, week La- three. Last week had zero targets. Week one had zero targets. Oh, Doesn't catch the ball He has like two targets in his entire career, just Gus Edwards. But like you were saying, he had 10 carries. 62 yards and a rushing touchdown. I would like to think that if they're going to give the ball to someone at the goal line, I want to believe that it's going to be Gus Edwards. You ready for this? Give it to me. This is yards per carry by season. Uh 5.2, 5.3, 5.0, 5.0, 5.2. That's all Gus Edwards? Super effective runner, yeah. Wow. Now, here is his uh, catches by season. Uh, 279. Holy cow. There have been other seasons which he has never caught. Zero so he catches. has 18 catches in 54 games. 18 in 54 games. He is a virtual, he is a literal non-factor in the passing game. But if you give Gus Edwards 15 or 16 carries, which seems reasonable given the injury to Justice Hill, he could turn that into 65 or 70 yards. He finds the end zone. Yeah. That's a deeper league flex consideration. Or if you're really pressed because you've got some combination of, you know, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, or Austin Eckler on your roster, you could do worse than Gus Edwards in week three. He is a touchdown dependent option for you right totally, now. Totally. Yes. To very somebody. touchdown dependent. Super touchdown yes, dependent. Yes. Very much yes. so. The definition of touchdown dependent. All right, Field. That's going to do it for our week three primer. Coming that? back tomorrow with yeah, our full lots preview. To get to. Yeah. So, so many things. All the injury updates from yep. Stefania and then you, me, and Mike will dive into all the big storylines for week three. There's so much to get to. And what feels like a critical week, I want to remind you, though, if you're 0 2 right now, a lot of season left. You got to go. You got here's what you got to do. You got to have a locker room talk this afternoon. That's it. You talk to the boys. You motivate them, and you tell them <laughs> power of positivity matters. We're going for 175 points this week. We're getting our season back on track. Yes. Do not count us out. If you're two and zero, you're reminding the team we stay humble, right? When you win, so when you lose, say little. When you win, say less, right? Just continue to do what we've been doing. Stay true to the process here. We're going for 175 ourselves, and we're pushing for 3-0. and We're not worried about 4-0 and yet because we're going to worry about 3-0 and first. Ah, locker I'm, room talk. you got to have field. that. Do you often do you have these locker room talks with your teams or just me? You know what it is? It's not locker room talks. I just complain about all the players that I have in my roster. Is that a locker room talk? No, that would be the opposite. Yeah. That's how you go from 0-2 to 0-3. Yeah, you got to motivate the boys here. I need more motivation you gotta, on you my gotta side. you got to motivate the boys. you got to show them your favorite pump. you got to show them like a Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Pump up speech. Maybe remember the Titans pump up speech. Stop. Try it. I guarantee it'll work this week. I feel like the one from Miracle, I think, is the one that I wanted. Her I Brooks. Mean, is that okay that it's a great American? Sport? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Always, that works. That gets me fired up all the time. Every single time. Hey, check out the score report this week as it. well. Do it, do New it, one is going to be coming out later tonight. It has been a ton of fun to be able to record it and check out score report hotline. That phone number is real. Send us some voicemails. I'm trying to answer as many of them as I can on Friday on our fantasy focus TikTok, and I'll post it on my uh, Twitter as well. But we love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for field. My name is Daniel. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. We will see you tomorrow. Good luck in Thursday night football. Please play Brandon. Ayuk. I really need that. I need it too. <laughs> I also need, I need George Kittle to not be tight end 27 field. Can he get in the end zone tonight? I would certainly hope so. I want to call it. George Kittle touchdown tonight, everybody. He called it.
no secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you, Alliance fan through and through. With the hippest beard, I'm telling you. 